Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody, this would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Been a minute. Took a few days off for the holidays, just like everybody else. Hope you had a merry one. Hope everybody's doing well. And let's get caught up. We got a lot to catch up on, I suppose. Uh, And that includes, obviously, now just being a few days away from Florida State, taking on Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Mm, don't blame me if you're not feeling that snap, that spark, that thing that you normally have before a big game like this. Kind of kind of lacking a little bit, but not lacking in stuff to talk about and the tentacles that go from there. I'm Jeff, obviously. Tom is with me. We're back. Tom is in New York, and he is sitting comfortably doing the Jeff Cameron Show, where he'll be doing the Jeff Cameron Show for the foreseeable future. But uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's uh well, yeah, cat's out of the bag. You talked about the move. Uh, this is where we are. We're uh, just outside of um, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I'm not going to go into the finer details of exactly where we are. A little privacy, please, people. But uh, yeah, it's uh it's an interesting uh, Christmas this year because it was cold. It was actually kind of cold and damp and windy, and people up here embrace it in the north because. You know, it gives them a reason to go outside. I, I hear it's miserable the next couple of months, so we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, good times, good times. Yeah, it was not cold in Tallahassee. It was warm yeah. and uh, unseasonably warm, very frustratingly warm. If you're me, it's all right. We're supposed to get cold now. Now, enough about the weather. Florida State's not playing a single player that you've ever heard of in this game. Mm. <laughs> That's not true. It's it's close to not true. It's well, yeah. Defensively, it looks fairly similar. Offensively, it looks like the other team in the spring game. You know, it like does. when, when yeah. you have the good players stack on one side, and you're like, all right, who's the gold team this year? It's like, okay, you got the gold team. Well, I want to start with something here. I want to start big picture. This is a, a catch up day, and and it's a redemption Thursday, and there will be some wagers, and we'll get to all that. But I, um, and by the way, I've had a really good bowl season in a year where it's impossible to guess bowls. But you know why? I've been in game betting. That's the mm-hmm. that's the ticket, friends. Mm-hmm. Just in game bet all to your heart's desire. Easy to cash on these overs and unders right now. These games take on a a feel very early, very early. Who's there to play? Who's not? who's playing their players, who's not, who's interested, who's not. I mean, it's all pretty obvious right now uh, with these with these bowl games. That's the way to do it. That's my Redemption Thursday advice to you is just uh, eh, go easy because um, early on, there's no telling. There's no telling who cares about playing in these games. Uh, I would also advise if you get first-year coaches, second-year coaches, and it's their first time in a bowl, lean in that direction. See the West Virginia game. 
you kind of got to sense some of these teams. Uh, and I, and I, for example, at the very beginning of bowl season, felt very good about some of the teams that had not made a bowl that were excited to make a bowl. And then, you know, felt like they would Virginia tech yesterday felt like a team that cared deeply about winning that game. Well, and, and again, you know, Tulane was up for a New Year's Six Bowl. They're not going to one. And you see that Vegas had reflected that. I think the line was over a score before kickoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could see what was going on there. On its face, you're talking about a top 20 team against the team in Virginia Tech that was not, you know, the ACC is not exactly uh, the last bastion of great Power 5 football. Uh, some might say they're not even a Power 5 conference if their name is Bill Hancock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at any rate, yeah, Tulane is not thrilled to be there. And Virginia Tech, that whole season, I mean, they're writing stories about it at the Mid-Atlantic right now, about them finding themselves about the halfway mark, just about the time we played them, because their offense took off after that, and they cared deeply, like Harbaugh does in the preseason yesterday. Yeah, and I had an easy win with Georgia Tech knocking out UCF in that game in the uh, Union Home Mortgage Bowl or whatever it was called, Tom. And I, I, I was like, Georgia Tech is going to desperately want to be there. They're going to care a ton. Um, it was easy to guess, for example, that South Florida with a first-year coach trying to get that program turned around. Uh, I don't know that I thought they'd beat Syracuse 45 to nothing, but I thought they'd win comfortably. And, you know, Syracuse had no reason to be there. They fired their coach. They're starting over. You have two programs going in opposite directions. These are the ones to cash in on. Sorry, that's an tangent side redemption Thursday wager sort of discussion. Back to Florida State, who, by the way, if you're betting, take Georgia. Um, he, he, here, here's the thing. What I don't like is what I knew I was going to hear, but this will serve as a friendly reminder to all of you that the vast majority of people who are writing articles this holiday season about Florida State's opportunity to prove they belong or Florida State's selfishness in filing a lawsuit against the ACC or whatever it is that fits neatly, it's compartmentalized, it's an easy story to write, just remember that that's disingenuous, it's not real, it is comically stupid and that is what you're hearing right now across the board when it comes to commentary involving florida state with all the opt-outs you'll hear a lot of people say well you know it just i guess that program is not what we thought it was what are you talking about what uh, it makes zero sense to try to equate florida state having players opt out turn pro transfer portal whatever it might be and whether or not they care to play football whether or not they care about the season they just had whether or not they were good none of that is is in any way commiserate it makes zero sense and yet you'll hear people like morons named pat 40 and others write these kinds of pieces where you just roll your eyes but i warned you of this i warned you the second the season ended i warned everybody Get ready for this narrative about how bad Florida State really was, how they don't deserve to be there because of the result of the Orange Bowl. Now, am I assuming something here? Am I assuming Florida State's going to get housed in the Orange Bowl? I am. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Bowl games are fickle. Georgia's got a ton of people opting out, too. Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, Florida State plays well. And even then, I would warn you, do not accept the narrative. Do not be the guy that then goes, see... No, no, no. We already made the point C. Florida State deserved to be in the college football playoff, period. Regardless if they get beat by 30 or win by 30, it doesn't change that fact. Don't do that. Don't become them. Well, yeah, time is a flat circle here. It reminds me of Mark May with Bobby Bowden. You know, it's like, how dare Florida State 
uh, do what they're doing to Bobby Bowden. How dare Florida State? That man built that program. And then, you know, at different points of the season, Mark May would be the people, one of the people that says, oh, what's happened to Florida State? You know, it's just amazing how, how that program, it just, yes. it doesn't, it doesn't live up to what it used to live up to. It's like, well, which is it, pal? And, and that's the energy that we have here from Pat Forty and others who, you know, it's, which is it, you know? You want to pick on Florida State? Did we cross the line or are we just following what everybody else is doing in this era of college football and living for ourselves and fighting for ourselves? I'm not a guy who believes philosophically that isolationism is good for the world, but this isn't about the world. This is about Florida State's health as a program and your mental health as a fan right now, which is a little bit shaky if you're a Florida State lover. Isolate, isolate. Right now we're on our own. This is an island. Even ACC programs that are just as interested as leaving the conference as we are are not walking side by side with us because they want to see how we, after testing the waters, fare in the court of law against the ACC. In short, Clemson is cowardly. In short, North Carolina is cowardly. They go on, especially Bubba Cunningham, uh, not Bubba Cunningham, excuse me, uh, North Carolina's athletic director. No, it is Bubba Cunningham. Yeah says publicly that Florida State should not be shaking the tree looking to get out of the ACC. Meanwhile, you know and I know behind the scenes, North Carolina can't wait to get into either the Big Ten or the SEC. But they're too cowardly to be front-facing like Florida State is. So none of the national conversation matters. Live for us, live for Florida State, and we'll see in about a year where we are. The next time that you'll be able to have perhaps a sensible conversation regarding what Florida state is or is not where they're headed, where they're not will be before the start of this next season. It'll probably be sometime in June, July where, where tensions and, and emotions are no longer ruling the day. You know, you have a situation and then this occurs to me all the time, you know, what's at stake in this lawsuit isn't just whether or not Florida state can get out of here in a timely fashion. It's the survival of the ACC. So you've got a lot of people on pins and needles. You can understand that this action by Florida State in many ways is going to determine whether or not the ACC exists. So if you look at it that way, it's not surprising to hear the kind of vitriol and backlash and frustration pointed at Florida State. Right now, the Knowles seem to be the program that, for whatever reason, timing has a lot to do with it, I think, represents all of the bad things that are happening in college athletics. So Florida State is having to shoulder the burden of fan frustration, media pundits' frustration, those that love the sport that are lashing out at sort of the wild, wild west part of this that we've described before with the rat, you know, the, the amount of transfers, yep. the diluted nature of the bowl games, which don't take on any real meaning anymore. And people are frustrated by that. You know, these, uh, the kids that are getting paid NIL money and what in, in the eyes of some is way too much and unregulated, and, you know, all the, the recruiting aspects of so signing day aspects that are uh, frustrating and hard to follow for people, you know, these kinds of things are falling at the feet of Florida state because of the timing of the lawsuit. But of course, all these things existed. Alabama pays uh, like 45 analysts to run the numbers on their opponent four weeks from now's third down calls. But Florida State's the problem. 
<laughs> I mean, this is this is stuff that we all know, right? I mean, like when Maryland and Rutgers are trouncing Florida State in annual revenue based on athletics, you understand that Florida State was in an untenable position. You know, this is everybody understands in actuality how we arrived at this place. It's just convenient right now. It's a it's a ready-made story to blame Florida State for all of it. Well, and, and again, you know, Florida State is a name that makes headlines. So it's easy when somebody sees on the crawl of ESPN or Yahoo or wherever Pat works these days. Um, the name Florida State, people are going to click on it more often than they would for, say, Miami or they would for, say, Clemson. Like Almost more, anybody in the country, Tom, you could keep naming them. Yeah, it, it's more clickable. But Florida State is simply because everybody else in the, in the conference that wants to get out is cowardly and they're not willing to do it themselves. Florida State is looking to get out in a one-program one deal. We're not trying to come out as a package deal with somebody from the state or somebody from the region. We're operating in our own best interest. Oregon and Washington mutilated the Pac-12 after USC and UCLA had left. They mutilated that conference on the way out. I mean, it's not fit for television what they did to the Pac-12 on the way out. And nobody cared because nobody clicks on an article about Oregon. You know, that's that's the thing here. Remember that. And again, in about a year's time, maybe this all shakes out and we can start in, in enjoying and entertaining the opinions of national and regional talking heads. But for now, isolationism as a Florida State fan is the best course of action to keep your health mentally because they're all coming for us now. And it sucks. I don't like to be us against the world guy, but this is literally where Florida State is right now. You know, when you make a decision that is of the magnitude uh, that Florida State made to go it alone, to file a lawsuit, to challenge the grant of rights, I think you have to understand that there's a certain renegade element that comes with that, a label that comes with that. And, and that's fine. I, I rather enjoy it. I, I recall that Florida State's greatest successes in the moments when you really realized that you'd reached the top of the mountain yet again. And I mean, in the college football world period, as in the preeminent program and nobody else was always when Florida state was loathed. It was always when Florida state was the center of ire for people. It was a renegade program that Bobby Bowden didn't have control of. Look at this thing at Dillard's which we all look back at now and roll our eyes. Can you imagine any program in the world kicking off one of the greatest athletes to ever play the sport because he smoked a joint? Florida State did. But by all means, let's concentrate on, you know, a hookup for a shirt and a pair of shoes. And, you know, it's a renegade program. These things always die down. And in, in, in the wake of these things dying down, you always look back and thought, well, how silly was that? Right. Why did anybody believe any of that? Why was that article written? Why were any of those things said? Oh. That is, there's so many other examples. You know, the, the difference between Joe Paterno and Bobby Bowden is, is Joe's a grandfatherly figure, but he's got more morals with how he runs his football program. Remember yeah. that? Mm, you oh, think so? Goodness. Well, yeah. remember, it didn't take very long. I mean, we can, we can do this all day, but I remember several people in the media noting the very different way in which Dabo Sweeney governed the situation at Clemson and how this was a wholesome program. And meanwhile, we got Jameis Winston at Florida State. Oh, fast forward. Sean Watson loves a good massage, does he? My goodness gracious. I mean, we could go, <laughs> we could go on and on and on. It's 
this is they are very, very, very uh, influential. You know, Florida State is one of the most influential football programs in the country and, and maybe of all time, certainly of all time. So, you know, when you are that, yeah. uh, when you are the focal point of uh, you know, and the most one of the most high profile universities uh, that plays the game, anything you do is going to warrant uh, a ton of discussion. It's going to create a lot of uh, talking points and people feast on that because they got to get clicks. They got to get views. They got to have people who read their articles and go to their website. And I think you correctly know that if you just put Florida State in the headline, there's a good chance somebody's going to click on it. It's yeah. an easy one as opposed to putting, I don't know, you know, any of these other schools that we're naming. There are very few that can rival that eyes on set approach that Florida State has. Uh, Pat Forty writes an article that says Washington Huskies uh, killing football. Like nobody's going to, nobody cares. No, they're not. No, they're not, Pat. No, so uh, I'm going to pass along. But it says that Florida State has crossed the line. Yeah, man. People are, yeah. Interesting. Florida State's all over the news right now. Did they get screwed? Did they not get screwed? Like I'm telling you, wearing this hat, as I love to do up here in New York, I've been stopped by no short of five people. Guy at the chemist, which is what they call the drugstore up here. A couple of people at the bar saying, what do you do? I mean, do you still watch the game? I'm like, well, I I cover it for a living. But it's a talking point in a place in the country that nobody gives a damn about college football. They really largely don't up here. It is still something that made the headlines where they say, you guys got hosed. Yeah, man. And and the Florida State brand, if it was Cincinnati that got left out and they were deserving, and I'm wearing a Bearcat shirt, nobody's stopping me. Well, it should be noted Cincinnati should have been left out, but they weren't because it's always been the most deserving. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I, I go on and on and on about where we're at and how polarizing we are <clears throat> and how we move the needle and how it dictates the discussion around the school. Much of it, it, it seems random. Much of it seems um, certainly uh, less than accurate. Uh, it's not complete is a better way of saying that. Like you get a lot of partial, uh, you know, truths in these stories where they'll say, well, this happened and that led to this. And they'll ignore just a, I mean, a massive swath of evidence to suggest the opposite of whatever the central theme of their story is, the through line of their story. You know, Florida State, I heard, uh, uh, for example, I was driving down the road and I think Colin Coward does a good job on his show. I don't listen to it much anymore, but I think as a talk show host, he's fine. He loves to give uh, business analogies to everything. But what what you realize is nationally, a lot of the folks that have to weigh in on this, even though they're ill-prepared to do so because it's not their cup of tea, it's not what they cover, it's not anything they've researched, they tend to take a cursory surface level of view of whatever the situation is. And he kind of couched what Florida State's doing as a temper tantrum for having been snubbed. Now, if you'd paid attention at all to the sport, Florida State was talking about exiting the ACC before this season began. There's no way that you could equate the two. Florida State was already making news because they had discussed openly in a board of trustees meeting before the season began that they were in a dire set of circumstances that would need to be addressed sooner rather than later. So, you know, that doesn't take one very long to just click FSU, ACC, 
see what comes up. You'll find stories that date back 15, 18 months about Florida State's dissatisfaction. It doesn't take a lot of work, but it's just easier to say, oh, Florida State's mad, and they're ruining the sport because they're mad. Yeah, so the funny thing is I I typically embrace this part of um, aggressive language and aggressive feelings to get out of the ACC, vitriol towards the ACC more than you have over the years. Like, for example, I remember last year I said, I look forward to Wake Forest death as a football program. You're like, oh, oh. But I think a lot of people now, I think a lot of people now are like, yeah, I, I agree. I've come around on this because they're one of the people that are holding us up and they they overvalue who they are. Like when we came out last week, what the hell was that statement by the athletic director saying that, well, we've got uh, 600,000 people that love our program and we're proud to be Wake Forest Athletics. Okay, man. Thanks for that. But I, I'm glad to hear that at this point in the history of, yeah. yes, it's like a dystopian time for, for college athletics, but I'm glad to hear you're on board with like, screw these guys. The, the, well, listen, you can own these guys. Oh, it's silly. It's all so silly. It's like, you know, I like to think I'm a serious person. Now who loves absurdity and can have fun. But I think that generally speaking, those who know me, know that if we're discussing real issues, really complex issues, that I take those kinds of conversations and those discussions seriously, like, like a serious human being, as opposed to like a lot of our politicians. And so like, if you're serious about fixing something or learning about something, you understand that it's incredibly nuanced and it's gonna take a ton of work. Yep. Most of what <clears throat> you see in terms of opinions being you know, either posited on a talk show or written about on a website seem to stem from people who aren't taking things very seriously. Like, I don't think they are looking at these issues as serious issues. Florida state has no choice in defending itself and figuring out its path moving forward, but to take this incredibly serious and they have been for a very long time and they really cannot worry about the opinion of others at this point. It's really irrelevant what Pat Forty or Colin Cowherd or anybody else thinks about what FSU is doing. It's completely irrelevant. What Florida State has to do is protect its future, its financial future, its competitive future. And the only way to do that is to leave this conference where you can be on equal footing to those you seek to compete against. And there is no other option. This isn't something that you can just sit idly by and watch happen to you, not as, not as a serious person. So if you're the athletic director, if you're the board of trustees, if you're the president, this is a serious matter. It's not flippant. It's flippant for columnists. It's flippant for talk show hosts. It's a serious matter for Florida State's financial future and the hope of continuing to build towards something great annually. You can't do it. If you're losing out on 40, 50, 60 million dollars per school per season, you can't do it. Correct. And and short of some sort of legal judgment that would be extremely favorable to Florida State. And I think they've got more. I mean, you've talked about this. You were doing the show last week, but that the legal points that they're making have more teeth than maybe we thought they would in the beginning, you know. Uh, that this is going to bring the ACC to the table for a settlement figure that maybe is is decent, you know, in terms of getting out for Florida State. You are still not going to operate dollar for dollar with the SEC programs you compete with or the Big Ten programs that you compete with for a period of time 
because you're going to have to pay off whatever this lump sum is. Like when it all comes down to it and they're done shouting at each other and releasing statements that are passive aggressive, it's what's the damn number to get us out of the conference. And let's say it's 250 million or $300 million, something along those lines. We'll break that out over 10 years or, or 20 years. You're still not going to be operating dollar for dollar with Florida or with Georgia but instead of being 30 million down or 40 million down, you're going to be 10. You're going to be 12, you know, something along those lines. And how quickly can you get there is the question for 2024. And how quickly does the ACC actually want to meet uh, to, to set that number? It probably all starts with where the venue of the case is going to be. And, and that that starts the domino effect of, of how you can negotiate. I think certainly initially that's the sense. Uh, we can talk about that as well. I've got a really good uh, feel right now, just from lawyers that I've used as sources, several of whom I'm very impressed by and gotten to know over the last month. Yeah, venue may be an argument. It certainly seems what we all kind of took away from the initial filings when we saw that the ACC preemptively filed, which certainly doesn't seem to be in good faith. Nope. <laughs> it is very punitive. Um and then you saw what Florida State did in filing in Tallahassee and alleging the violation of Florida state law. Um, that's fine. I think for that reason, it'll end up in federal court. It won't end up in North Carolina or Florida. Um, and there is a, <clears throat> there's a reason for that, which is boring for me to get into right now, maybe on a different podcast. But uh, I don't, I, I don't, I, I think this will be handled federally. I also don't think this will, will ever see a court ruling on this. I, mm-hmm. I, I do believe to your earlier point, that this will bring about some sort of settlement. Uh, It seems to me that it would be in the ACC's best interest because if it were to go the distance and by any chance whatsoever, Florida State were to pretty much win the case, uh, say goodbye to the conference because now a number is set and it's just been given to Virginia, North Carolina, Clemson, Miami, NC State. To me, what they'll do if they do settle it will be uh, in private and that number uh, will not be revealed. It will not be talked of. It will just be the end of our relationship with the ACC. And by law, it will not be disclosed. That's correct. And then I hope it's leaked. So everybody pays the fee and leaves as well. Well, that's the second part is that it probably will be because nothing ever is kept under wraps completely. It's Jeff Cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty 
Zaxby's Chicken Sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Funny how our minds uh, are in sync and have been for many years. We don't always agree on everything, but we agree on a lot of things. But we also seem to look at things very similarly. When you said, and then I hope it's leaked so that everybody can have the number and then leave. It's the very first thing I thought of when I was talking to one of the lawyer guys I just referenced. And I said, you know, non-disclosures are, I know, a legal avenue in which parties can come to an agreement. And it is understood that there are real repercussions for if, they, if, if, if it's ever proven that after you've agreed to a non-disclosure, if, if you are ever proven to have been the source of a leak, you've you've undone all the good that could have been uh, had in that agreement. You are screwed. You'll be taken to court and the deal is null and void. And, you know, all the problems, they make it very, very difficult. They make it so that it's truly a non-disclosure. There are, there are people who settle lawsuits against companies they worked for and both sides come to the table and the number comes up and the person is free to go on their way and they'll get asked a million which ways to Sunday by their new company or friends or family. And if they're ever part of truly a non-disclosure agreement, they will say, I cannot tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to risk all that I fought for at this point, right? And yet, it's the first thing I thought of. I was like, there got to be ways. I mean, these numbers do get... (laughs) Because I, too, am filled with the same sort of uh, disdain and frustration and hate and vitriol uh, towards the ACC at this point. It's gotten to be... It's an ugly divorce at this point. It's an ugly divorce. Yeah, this goes all the way back to when Stan Wilcox said it's it's good for everybody in the conference that everybody gets the same amount of money. And I was like, no, it's not. No, it's, no, not, it's not. No, it should be. If you're going to do it at that point, 10, 12 years ago, it should be based on enrollment. So there you go. The price per student is at a certain level because Wait, you know, be well, dead in the water. Yes, <laughs> 50 people. There's 50 people there. You know what I mean? Like, stop it. This is we got 50,000. Yeah. Uh, so. It, I'm just interested to see how quickly, because there, there's going to be saber rattling on both sides, but how quickly do they actually have that meeting? I have a sense that we'll hear about it behind the scenes, that they're at least going to meet. It doesn't mean that they have to come to a settlement and a figure, but that the, that the legal teams are going to sit down and say, do we have a pathway here to, to settle this earlier? Both of our, like, look, you know, Jimmy, I know that we want these billable hours, <laughs> but both of our clients are saying, let's see if we can hammer this thing out. Because, again, if, if it's done the right way, which really nothing has been with the ACC, but if it's done the right way, 
we leave and then maybe the ACC stays intact. But if it's fire and brimstone and we get down to the legal argument of whether or not ESPN's unilateral right to exercise an extension of the agreement in 2027 is real, like if what we're alleging is a truth, and if they didn't have two-thirds majority to extend in terms of signatures on paper to extend the grant of rights, then the whole thing's disbanded instantly, and everybody's going and, and fishing yeah. for their own for their own future. So it, in, it's in the ACC's interest, I think, here, if it wants to continue to exist, to work with us at some point in the near future. Yeah, I will say, and this is, again, I'm not a lawyer, and I'll be very careful when we talk about this subject to only speak on the things that I've sought information on from attorneys, only really speak about, in terms of definitively stating things, right. making declarative statements. Yeah, we all have opinions about how we think this might go based on the cursory glance we've taken at the lawsuit. Um, to me, I will say, I would, I would caution Florida State fans um, regarding how much of what we allege in that lawsuit is 100% accurate and how much it can be disputed I, I would tell you that if it were as simple as they did not have the signatures and they blindly just decided to extend in 2016 as as we're alleging uh, took place uh, this would have been resolved long before now I right. mean they they spent over a year searching for an avenue by which to levy this lawsuit if it were that simple, it would have been discovered within hours. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have been that easy. Correct. Yeah, the, the curious thing, and I agree with you, this is why I said even before the uh, the 2027 extension, like if that's true, I want to believe Florida State on this one, but we also have to be cynical. Yeah. Across the board, you got to be cynical. Like, really? So ESPN could just say no moss to the ACC, and that's like somewhere, it, it's a provision in right. the agreement? Right. All right. Fascinating. The one thing I can't reconcile, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever for any contract in any business, or even if you're, you contract somebody to do something for your home and you're, you're renovating it, you're making a repair or whatever. How is it that you sign an agreement with the ACC and in turn, they sign an agreement with ESPN and you are of the ACC and you can't have a physical copy of the agreement in your own campus on your own campus. How's that possible that you have to go in? They got to like turn. It's like the missile keys. You go one, two, three, two guys turn it at the same time. You get in the elevator, you go in the vault, you go down and then they show you the document. Right. And it's like it's vacuum sealed and you could take notes on it. And then you got to like what in the world? I've yeah. never heard of such an agreement in any realm of business where you agree to something as a party. You signed a piece of paper and you don't get a copy of it. It seems awfully strange, and it's all part and parcel to this whole thing uh, that intrigues everybody involved. You know, look, the, the fact that Florida State is the first to ever really challenge the grant of rights in this manner um, is exceptional. Uh, I think they're taking a huge risk, but it's one they had to take. And the effort is obviously to hope, in my opinion, is to, is to truly get the ACC to come to the table here. Um, but they are running a huge risk because if, in fact, it is ironclad, as so many people have referenced, then you could lose this case and you are going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars and you are going to come out with egg on your face and you are going to be screwed for the foreseeable future. You know what you're up against, and I don't think they willy-nilly filed the suit without really contemplating 
and being very serious people regarding this matter, right? So there's got to be something of legal merit that they felt beyond just rhetoric that they could challenge. It's easy to have a board of trustees meeting in which you are given the side of the plaintiff. You are saying what it is you're upset about. Everybody's, yeah, I agree. And we're going to challenge it. And you bring in your lawyer and Ashburn talks about it. And we, we all go on and on, but there's going to be a counter. There's going to be, Oh, please allow me to retort. There's going to be the other side here. And we're not going to know of a lot of this behind closed doors, unless it really does go to trial, which would be truly interesting. I, I just don't think it will, but if it does, that will be fascinating. We're going to learn a lot at that point. Yeah, I think the only thing that's less likely than Florida State getting out of this for an, an agreed upon number is that it goes to trial. It goes to distance, like to where you can see, you can read, you can consume everything. I, I just don't believe the ACC has every every detail of their organization buttoned up and ESPN has a stomach to allow those types of communications to be made public. Nobody has a stomach for any of that. So I think that's the only thing that's less likely than us getting out of the conference for a number. But you can also say in this moment, and I've seen this on our boards at Warchant and, and on social media, you can also say that we did have a hand in this. We're costing, we cost ourselves a lot of money, you know, 10, 11 years ago when we signed this thing the first time, but more so when we signed the extension for nothing. We when we signed the extension to 2036 for basically nothing, the promise of a network to actually get made. That's the reason we signed the extension to the grant of rights. Jesus, guys, that's horrible. Like, and that's where you say that's on us. So the re, you know, the, the settlement figure we pay is because of the decision that Thrasher or somebody else made in that legal office and said, yeah, we should move forward with this. So a long time ago, and this is, we get into how things are nuanced. Um, if you go back to when we, the original grant of rights that we signed away and you and I had, cause to discuss this. Yeah. I think anybody can look back and see the understanding and the reasons for having done it the first time. It's everything that happens subsequently that yeah, makes the, no sense. The Baron, the Baron one right. is it's arguable. The Thrasher one is inarguable. Yes. That is correct. But yeah. the first one is arguable because you were bent over a barrel, you had zero leverage and in order to have the network built, you had to have um basically the marquee programs in the league be on the same page for ESPN to move forward. Now, again, we were already behind at that point. You could argue that before it ever reached that place that the writing was on the wall and that Florida State needed to be more aggressive and proactive about its future. But the fact was they didn't have a lot of leverage and they decided in that moment to do it. It's forgivable. It's the next incarnation it's the next time that you see this extension that makes zero sense and who fuck excuse me who, who signs a deal that was only one syllable you didn't yeah no who signs a deal for something to 2036 I mean, what, <laughs> what are, that's why that's why you heard me say I mean, that's why the f bomb nearly slipped there i mean who does that and nobody I, would do that buddy I, I don't know so like on the first one the original one i remember we were on the uh, the fm dial we yeah. just moved to the fm dial 
And what really pissed me off about that was at, at the time, it wasn't necessarily the grant of rights as we know it now. Yeah, it was, it was, the, you were mad because Sun Sports was paying Florida like a gazillion dollars for yeah, third yeah, tier. Yeah, yeah. yeah third yeah. tier rights yeah. as they were known. And they had just released Florida because the SEC network demanded if they're yes. going to create the network that you yeah. have them. And it was $10 million a year. $10 million a year, which at the yeah. time was a lion's share of money. Which made a lot of sense, yeah. You could have gotten Sun for maybe seven, you yeah. know, six yeah. or seven, and not given up your third-tier rights. And still, what is the ACC going to do? Kick you out just because you won't give them their third-tier rights? The network wasn't going to get created anyway, and I don't think we expected the network to be ready at any point at that time in history. So that's where I get frustrated with the first one. The second one's just absolutely asinine. And as you find out more and more about it, that promises and assurances weren't necessarily made to Florida State about this, that, and the other. You just signed it over? Like, my God. I mean, it's, it would be like extending your car lease for another two years, and they're going to up you and double the the rate. And you're like, yeah, oh, I, swear, I really love sure. this car. In fact, I'll keep it for the next 15 years. So, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's very frustrating. I, I do want to I do want to talk about something that is frustrating for all fans, and that's the bowl games. I'll do it next. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Champ TV. Hey, welcome a new advertiser to the program. This one I like. Why do I like them? I used them. I already used them. Then they said, we want to be on with you, Cameron. Good, because I'm already using you. I'd like to save some money. I'm talking about Factor. Now, I could read a script. I have one here. The bustling holiday season. You're looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days. Factor's America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I'm not going to do that, though. I don't need to do that. I like not meal prepping. I like having a delicious meal before me in two and a half minutes out of a microwave prepped by a professional chef. It is delicious. Protein meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving in some cases. I could get the uh, low-calorie conscious meal if I want one, if I've overdone it for the week or something along those lines. I pick a different set of food items out of 35 prepared meals at the start of every week, and voila, it's at my front door. It's awesome. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50 and use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. Doing you right, people. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. I come at this, it's appropriate on a Redemption Thursday, uh, from a gambling standpoint. A lot of people do not, but it still illustrates the problem and in a big way. So this is one of those times where using gambling, whether it's for a spread or an indicator of a team's power ranking or an indicator of, you know, any number of things. We talk about how you don't have to be a gambler to utilize the same resources that gamblers use to get a better understanding of what a team is, what a conference strength is, what a power rating is, the way you're perceived by Vegas, what, what a game would be on a neutral site, all those things. Well, there's something inherent to all of that, and that is that uh, everybody is above board. Everybody is taking these things seriously, and everybody understands that there's a lot of money on the line. 
And that uh, that money, by the way, has been infused in the sport via advertising. Uh, now you see ESPN runs their own gambling app, for Christ's sakes. I mean, this is how far we've come. You can bet on the ESPN bet app. I, I don't. I use the Hard Rock app, and I use a bookie locally. But everybody's got their things that they like to use, okay? That's fine. That, that That's all well and good. Um, the, the point is that th- these networks, and beyond that, you could say the conferences, are taking gambling money. If you if you allow DraftKings to advertise, <laughs> then you are taking the money. So you can't have it both ways. If you're going to take the money, everything's got to be on the up and up. And that includes injury reports. And my God, what we've seen in this bowl season, this is, these bowl games, beyond just saying the obvious, are often meaningless to many of the combatants. And also the sense of what is, important in these games has changed dramatically like there was a time where tuning into these bowl games you knew what it meant for Tulane to play in this bowl even a lesser tier bowl you knew what it meant if Southern Miss made a bowl and they were playing a big boy and they had a chance to win a game that might catapult their program somewhere so all of a sudden you tuned into the Liberty Bowl and you thought this game kind of feels important there's something at stake here a year ago when Florida State won in Orlando and beat Oklahoma as they were still climbing, it felt very important to win that game. And people tuned in and watched it as if it mattered that there was an element of importance to that contest. Not just Florida State fans, I'm talking about college football fans, because we're fans of the broader sport. So when we sit down and we watch a bowl game between Kansas and UCLA or something like that, you say, oh, well, Okay, one coach is fighting to keep his job. Another is one of the most well-thought-of climbing coaches in the industry. A win here over another Power 5 program, this guy next year could have uh, the pick of the litter for the job that he wants if they continue to prove that they can play at the greatest stage. This bowl season, more than any that I can remember recently, has really indicated the shambles that the sport is in. None of these games matter. And moreover, watch the lines in these games. When you have... 10, 12, 15, 18 players opt out of a game and it's changing by the hour? How can you take anything seriously regarding what you're about to watch? You can't. It's impossible. Every time I sit down, that's why I talked earlier in the show about in-game betting, Tom. That's the only way to do these things right now because I don't know, and nobody does, and we're seeing it time and again, how accurate what I'm hearing coming out of these camps and the buildup to these bowl games, how accurate are these statements? How, how accurate are these player evaluations? How accurate are these indicators that a player is going to play or not play? You have some camps like Georgia trying to keep it under wraps how many players are opting out of the game, how many players are going to play, how many players are a game-time decision. Well, that doesn't do anybody any good. You have other programs that are very, very transparent. Florida State's been very transparent. They've just, it's the second they've learned of a player that's either hitting the portal or opting out to go to the NFL or for whatever reason isn't going to play, it's announced. It's it's illustrated on the depth chart. But I look around the country right now at these other bowl games, and Tom, it's impossible to get a real sense of who's playing, who's not playing. And all of it adds up to immense frustration for fans who once valued these games. You have an entire bowl season that feels like none of it matters until we get to the playoff. Yeah, agreed. And and to me, I think when this thing expands to 12, I think it will bring back more meaning to the bowl season because there there is 
especially this year, this is a tough year for college football in a lot of ways um, mm-hmm. that are obvious. It's transitioning, yeah. But but this is also a year where it was gettable. A lot of teams could have won the national title this year, and I believe even with a backup, Florida State could have won the national championship this year. If this was a year in which there were two teams that have, were head and shoulders above the rest, as has been the case an awful lot the last 10 to 15 years, I think bowl games automatically become more meaningful because ah, we were never going to win it anyway. There's a lot of teams that feel like they were this close and either because they lost a game or because they didn't lose a game and the committee decided to screw them. It's it's a little one team that fits that bill. That is correct. There's less meaning to it. There's less meaning to it. But when you get to 12 and you don't make the 12 field, I think suddenly the bowl games actually swing around because if you can't make a field of 12, all right, then we need to grow and let's watch us grow in the Liberty Bowl. I hope that's correct. I, I, I will have to wait and see. It, it it has been damaging to the sport. I do think this bowl season has been an unmitigated disaster. And people sense that and feel very frustrated by it. It's all the more reason that their ire, for whatever reason, is directed at Florida State as if they're the causation for all of this. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.